Chat radio designed just for you. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com. I uh, wanted to thank all of y'all for tuning in today. Hopefully, we have some new listeners based on the, uh, the topic du jour. It's the topic of the day, which we will be uh, joining with our panel here. Lori Murphy, a friend of mine from high school and church and many years, probably up to more than 30 years of actually knowing each other now, has a very compelling story to talk about. And it's a complicated issue, the medical marijuana issue. Uh, I think a lot of it... Um, gets confused on purpose by some of the opponents of it and we're going to help kind of clear the haze if you will and no pun intended on the issue today dale jackson also a longtime friend one of the uh, first time callers ever on my show which i've been doing now for five years that's hard to hard to believe it welcome back dale i appreciate you coming in today thank you very much we're going to get you i know i was about to say we uh we're aging well right <laughs> but uh, laura i wanted to let you say hi real quick thank you yeah, so I appreciate you guys calling in. Uh, I got some things I got to get off my chest, though. Uh, first of all, this this kerfuffle between John Lewis and Donald Trump, is it possible for both people to be wrong in an argument? I think we're seeing that. Both people are wrong in this debate. John Lewis should not be organizing a boycott, which is up to 42 people now at last count, 42 congressmen who are betraying their constituents by not participating in the peaceful transfer of power that we hold so dear in this country. Uh, and, and this is by, by far the biggest organized boycott of this we've ever seen. Now, right now, we're seeing Democrats trying to defend this odious behavior by saying, well, John Boehner skipped in 2012, and they're rolling out a few, but nothing en masse like what we're seeing right now. And I think this is a terrible example to be setting. I wish I could play that little Game of Thrones, the little shame, 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 and ring the bell a few times and read out all 42 names. But we don't have time for that today. But what we do have time for is to talk about Barack Obama's farewell speech, which I literally thought he was going to talk all the way up until the inauguration. That thing went more than 90 minutes long. Now, I didn't watch all of it. I believe Lori was washing her hair for the fourth time that day. Dale, I'm sure, had some projects. He's a small business owner. I doubt he watched all of it, or maybe not even a minute of it. He's shaking his head no. And I didn't watch any of it. I read some of the transcripts of it and was watching some of the feedback. It was almost like a State of the Union address. And... I put together my own little thank you list to make sure that we realize the legacy of Barack Obama because his farewell speech was nothing short of a fantasy tour. The good news is on Friday at 12 p.m., three very incredible words will be strung together former President Obama. But let's take a look back and see what his legacy is. This farewell speech was full of self-adulation and it doled out lots of thank yous, but it certainly wasn't a complete list. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the following for your listening pleasure. Thank you for doubling the national debt to nearly $20 trillion. That happened. Thank you for restoring Russia to superpower status. They're back. Thank you for politicizing every bureaucrat department, including the IRS and Attorney General's office. Thank you for destroying health care relationships for millions of families and raising taxes on the middle class through higher insurance premiums and deductibles. Thank you for allowing illegal aliens to continue committing crimes and prior to prioritizing their agenda instead of the needs of our veterans. 
Thank you for making the United States less competitive through draconian regulations. Thank you for releasing dozens of Guantanamo prisoners who returned to the battlefield and instigated acts of terror domestically and in Europe and across the world. Thank you for alienating Israel as our top Middle East ally. And finally, and I do mean this one, thank you. Thank you for creating more than 1,000 legislative jobs for Republicans across the country. From the bottom of our heart, we thank you for that. So today, my friends, Georgia is on, what, their fourth day of legislative session. In the state of Georgia, we have um, a 40-day session. Now, that usually goes from January to early April, the way they stagger it. Uh, Lots of hearings and other uh, deliberations go on through the course of the year. And this year, we're really seeing, uh, we've seen two bills already get proposed that would enhance uh, medical marijuana. I've also seen a bill, I haven't been able to read it yet, it just came out, I think it's Senate Bill 16, and it looks like from what the Twitter feedback is that that would um, hurt some of the uh, progress that we made on this issue. And you know what, I, I, I thought it would be really good and really educational to get some folks that are right in the crux of this battle. And uh, we have uh, two folks in here, Dale Jackson, whose eight-year-old son suffers from autism and uh, has been uh, on the, the front lines of this fight for several years. And also Lori Murphy, who uh, suffered a stroke several years ago and um, wants to talk about this issue and how medical marijuana would be able to help her deal with pain management, pain, uh, which she suffers from symptoms of constantly. Imagine waking up and every minute that you're awake, you're in constant pain. And you finally found something that can mitigate that somewhat. And there are some in Georgia that are trying to stand in the way of you. Now, that's what I was thinking when I put this panel together. So I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Ladies first, since we have manners here in the great state of Georgia. Uh, Lori, welcome to Greg's List. And uh, tell us your name and a little bit about your story, because what you posted uh, several years ago uh, when I first heard about it, uh, it just really it really haunted me to, uh, to hear the, the pain that you were suffering. Thank you, Greg. Um, Thank you for having me on. Um, Yeah, it is a pretty crazy, scary story. Um, Back on June 21st, 2006, I woke up and my life was no longer the same. Um, I ended up, after a while, in the hospital and discovered that I had had a thalamic stroke which means that my stroke hit in my thalamus. And not only was it my thalamus that controls your uh, senses, it did damage to my central nervous system. And the fact that it did damage to my central nervous system is what ended up causing pain. But they had discovered due to um, birth control, I have a... A blood type that's hereditary. It's called Factor V Leiden, and it's predisposed to clotting. And I had a hole in my heart that never closed as an infant, which is called a PFO, a patent foramen ovale. And um, so you mix the birth control with the Factor V Leiden blood type, and then you, caught, you get your blood clot, and it goes up through the hole in my heart and then into my brain. So it was kind of what some people have called my perfect storm. So had you had symptoms before this all just manifested on the date you said in 2006? It just, I woke up one morning and was having a stroke. I woke up with a numb arm and then it went 
to the numb face and then the rest of my head to toe oh left my God. side. So did you immediately, I mean, you knew something, this was not just going to go away, or did you try to hope that it was just you slept wrong and it would go away? What was, what was that thought process? Well, um, initially I just thought I slept on my arm funny, but then when I realized that it went to my face, um, I decided that I should probably end up going to a dock in the box or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then when it um, exacerbated to the rest of my body on the left side, um, I felt that an ER visit would probably be best. So um, after leaving the hospital, I then returned to a neurologist who had identified that it was a stroke. And while I was in the hospital, that's when they kind of determined the whole the whole series of how it the pathology, I guess, is yes. what they call it. Okay, <laughs> as as how that stroke um, happened. However, it wasn't until um, about a month later that I started feeling odd sensations and burning. Um, on the inside of my stomach on the left side and in my arm and that's when I decided to go back to the neurologist and um, and figure out what exactly was going on because I knew it was something um, unusual and different. So basically it just progressively got worse for the month afterwards and then you said okay this now were you um, did you lose any speech powers, or were you partly paralyzed? Or what other conditions besides the pain did you immediately uh, have? Um, now, at the time that I had my stroke, I was unable to walk. So I had to learn how to walk again, um, but I did lose my fine motor skills in my left hand. And, and is that um, still today? Or are you Correct. Okay. So you're kind of paralyzed in your left hand, or is that the right word for it? I have no feeling in my left hand and no fine motor skills, and I'm still numb on the left side head to toe. Oh, my God. But um, what was to come kind of overpowers the numbness, so I don't don't really – the numbness doesn't really phase me so much. All right. Well, tell us about this pain. It started radiating on the left side in your abdomen. And it's something that you've never really been able to to fix. It's constant? Correct. So um, it it started burning in my stomach on the left side and and down my arm. And when I went to the neurologist, she very uh, matter-of-factly said that um, said that I had central pain syndrome. And so um, I said to my dad, oh, hey, we'll have to go home and Google that. And we, I kind of laughed it off, and she never said, here's your diagnosis for life. This is how you're going to need to manage it. This is the devil that's living in your body. She never said anything she just matter-of-factly said, this is what you have. Central pain syndrome, that's what it is, CPS Correct. is the acronym? Okay. CPS, um, it has a lot of different names, thalamic pain, um, it, it's known to different doctors as different things, I guess. Um, so I Googled it, and it's 
not a not a pretty thing. And um, and so as time went on, I had to find someone who could help manage um, this pain, and it ended up spreading. Um, from the stomach and arm to head to toe on my left side. Um, you could literally cut me in half, um, head to toe on my left side, half of my face, half of my chest, half mm. of my body, all the way down, and um, and that's where the pain is. Um, as you said earlier, every waking moment. And you said basically when you wake up, until you go to sleep, that you were in constant pain. And you've, um, we're going to have to take our first break here in a second, but uh, you've taken a lot of pain management stuff, including opioids, which, as everybody knows in Georgia, we have a, an opioid or a heroin epidemic here. And so that's kind of the doctors, I don't want to say their easy way out, but they've been overprescribing it. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Uh, now, am I a doctor? No, but I read a lot, and if we have an epidemic and people are addicted to pain pills, then I think we can point the finger at that a little bit. And they are trying to curb that. So we're going to go ahead and take our break now. I wanted to let Lori finish up with her story um, on, on that side of the taking those pain medication. Then we'll get Dale in to talk about his uh, eight-year-old son, and we'll go from there. We'll see you in a minute on Greg's List. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Live. We've got a very serious program here today. I always talk about this being the home of serious journalism. Sometimes that's a little tongue-in-cheek. It is absolutely not the case today. I'm joined here by a friend that I've known for more than 30 years, Lori Murphy from East Cobb County, uh, where, where I'm from. Uh, we went to Wheeler High School together. We went to East Cobb Middle School. We did go to rival elementary schools, though. Those those East Valley kids were just, those those kids were ruffians compared to Sedalia Parkins. Right. But uh, So, Lori, you were um, talking about the, the stroke that you suffered, uh, I guess, 11 years ago. Um, 
and uh, that basically the constant pain that you're having to endure. Um, I'm sure doctors have thrown the kitchen sink at you. I hope they have at least, and that hasn't had any positive impact on your pain? No, it hasn't. Um, we have, I've been a guinea pig for over 10 years um, when it comes to opioids, when it comes to uh, doing a, a mix of antidepressants with anticonvulsants, which is um, supposed to provide pain relief when you mix the two. Um, we have done everything, IV infusions, um, Cortisone? Is that, I know that's um, for ball players, but I don't know if we've that done lidocaine, we've done ketamine, we've done. Um, I don't know if I. We've done. Acu, we've uh, out of the box acupuncture, acupuncture. chiropractic, vitamins. Um, we've kind of covered all the bases. So they 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 literally tried everything that they have in their book, and in your eleven years of being. A guinea pig, you've actually found there was one thing that's offered a little bit of relief for you. So in the almost 11 years, as you said, um, I have had one good day, which um, is actually rather depressing to think about, Greg, um, for someone to say, I've had one good day in almost 11 years, and that one good day was um, when I had tried some medical marijuana, um, and I actually felt good. and And that's really sad to say that we are not in a in a place where it's easy, easily accessible. Yeah, I mean, right now there's all sorts of laws um, limiting it. We we did make some progress a couple years ago, last year. Uh, we kind of fumbled and failed, and this year we have high hopes. And I'm going to get Dale in here right now. Dale Jackson's from uh, Lagrange, uh, Georgia, and it's been—he's uh, the third district uh, Republican Party chair, and in a Republican state, you would hope that people that are Republicans would be able to get some some good legislation through. And your fight has been uh, from uh, a, a personal standpoint as well as a philosophical standpoint. But tell us about your son, an eight-year-old son, Colin, who's been suffering. Uh, for several years now, and, and tell us about your fight from the legislative perspective, but also your uh, philosophy on this as well. Okay, very briefly about my son, uh, Colin, who's eight. He was from birth. Uh, he's battled a lack of uh, cognitive development, and a lot of the symptoms are um, extreme autism. And so to try to put it in perspective for your listening audience, uh, let me ask you a question, Greg. Do you know how to speak Chinese? No. No. Okay. I didn't assume you did. Uh, but let's let's say that you want to learn how to speak Chinese. And so you go to your tutor, and the very first thing that your tutor does is puts on a set of headphones on you and then blast Van Halen at level 11. <laughs> What's the likelihood you're going to learn how to speak Chinese? Not, not very little. Very little. Okay. So that that is, if you could enter into my son's world, without cannabis oil. I am trying to teach him how to go to the bathroom by himself, how to feed himself, how to tie his shoes, um, how to talk. And he has earphones on that are constantly blaring an overload of uh, sensory issues at him. What I feel like is cannabis oil is not a cure for autism, but cannabis oil helps me as his father 
take the earphones off so that he can participate in the more traditional therapies because uh, about a year and a half ago, we actually started a school for him specifically for autism therapy. And he was in that school from, I don't know, whenever school starts, September until March before he started uh, the cannabis oil treatment. The changes that we have seen, he was in a great school that I started for him great therapies, world the world's best therapies, we saw very little change. However, after March the 5th of 2016, he was in school for another four months, and now he's been in school for another month. We have seen more change over that four-month period times 10 than what we saw in the previous eight months that he was in his, taking the exact same therapies. And so that's the, the value um, no, it's March 5th when you started using cannabis oil as a treatment because you yes. use that as your date. Okay. Right. That was that was the date that we discovered the loophole in the law last year that has now been closed. Um, so that's when now, we... Now, wait, wait. The loop... Okay, talk, no, go back to that. Loophole that has now been closed. So now, are you saying that he's prevented from getting that treatment because a loophole was closed? Well, he's prevented from legally being able to use cannabis oil as a autistic child. Okay. Um, because we discovered that back in 1980, they really didn't even know what cannabis oil was. They didn't even know how to describe it. So the 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 wording of the old law okay, allowed so, a loophole. So, the, so the, the law that first passed that allowed cannabis oil, that was somewhot ambiguous and allowed for treatment for a lot. If you were willing to risk it, I suppose, and, and say, look, it doesn't say we can't. Right? Is that kind of the... Well, they just didn't describe it legally. Okay. They described, back in the 80s, they described cannabis oil as anything 15% and above. So, so 14.9 is good right. to go. Okay. It, it was completely undefined in the eyes of the so law. So you didn't you didn't even need a law anyway. That's right. We saying. really okay. didn't need to pass House okay. Bill 1 in 2015. We just didn't know it because okay. nobody bothered going back and reading the bill from 1980 something. So in hindsight, or, or I guess to sum up, somebody did go back and read it, and then they closed this loophole yeah. and said... That was the only thing we got accomplished last year, was the governor made sure that we closed that loophole. Okay, but that wouldn't be an accomplishment, would it? Well, no. Okay, I mean, but not it, in a good it way. It got accomplished, okay, okay. but... Okay, but, but yeah. that... Well, tell us about the bill that's passed. Um, we'll go back into Colin's uh, story in a little while, but I want to make sure we get the legislative aspect. House Bill 1 that passed... Right. What did that accomplish? Well, psychologically, I feel like it accomplished a lot. And it gave parents and patients, adults and children, under some conditions, the feeling of halfway being legal. Um, the hard part, and this is where a lot of people are misunderstood, and your average person, that all they did was they watched the news and saw every other clip during 2015. They think that we've already passed that. They okay. think that patients and children and parents uh, have access to cannabis oil. Right. The problem is, and this is, and I'm going to repeat myself every single time, is it is imperative that everyone understand that myself, as a parent of a child needing cannabis oil, I cannot travel to any state, province, city, county in this country and legally purchase cannabis oil. And bring it back. No, I can't 
go. You, you and can't go to Colorado it. and buy it. No. Okay. Why is okay? Because one, I'm not a resident of that state. Okay. Every single dispensary has to sign paperwork saying that they won't sell to. I've, out I've of state. heard of you, like pot tourism. How does that? Recreationally is different. Okay. Because medical, when you fall under the medical requirements, everything is stricter. If I want to go buy a bag of weed and get high. I can do that. So it's cool to but go to get... to buy medicine for my eight-year-old son, I cannot do that. That should anger everybody, in my opinion. What, I mean, this is making what me What angers right me now. is that most, your average citizen, thinks that, well, we've already passed that law here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Everything's good to go. And unfortunately, most legislators and most law enforcement agencies think the same thing. My DA was appalled when I sat down with him and had this discussion with him. Um now, now, do we have a possibility that this would be something that's just not enforced or are parents just not willing to take that risk? I mean, is well, this a one where, look, it's illegal, but it's kind of like those old rules on the book where a woman can't buy a hat without the permission of her dad. It's, it's, is it something that we may think is obscure in a couple of years? Or Here in Georgia, I, I don't feel like that your average parent or adult who is needing cannabis oil and magically gets it here in the state of Georgia – I don't personally feel like that they have a lot to worry about legally. Okay. The problem is, and this is very important, is that myself as a parent who is trying to get said cannabis oil, I have to go to a legal business in the state of Colorado or Washington or Oregon. That business owner has invested millions of dollars in their company and filling out all the paperwork and doing things legally. And they know the federal government has said don't mess up and sell to anyone out of state or allow your oil to cross state lines or we're going to come in after you. They're not going to sell to me, and I don't blame them for not selling mm-hmm. to me. It's not worth it when it's not just some kid in their basement you know, that's invested 100 bucks. These, this is mega bucks that they've invested yeah. in. It's not worth it. And a lot of these, a lot of these businesses in Colorado, they don't use banks. They basically have huge safes because they're worried that if they put it in a, a federally chartered bank, that the feds would come in and, and take all the money and, and for uh, criminal activity. So there's there's a lot of things that we need to do on the federal level. So basically, these states that are legalizing it, they're kind of testing um, federalism, aren't they? Well, they are, but they're testing it in their own state. And it's one thing, and they feel secure in their own state. But what our legislature here in Georgia has asked us to do is to go to other states, ask those individuals to break laws for us, and then on top of all that, we have to risk getting Mm -hmm. back here to Georgia. Right. Which So what I'm guessing is not, not Dale Jackson, but let's say somebody else went to Colorado. They found somebody that was a resident of Colorado, and this is what... It's called the black market. They said, hey, can you go buy some cannabis oil for me? Sure. I'm going to charge you twice just in case I get caught with it. Or maybe it's a wink from the dispensary and they charge twice. Whatever it is, it's it's a black market transaction. They know what's going on. But you're able to find somebody who has sympathy for you or who may be trying to make a few dollars out of it. But because of the difference in state laws, you have to act – you have to commit a, a criminal act basically to find something that will help your son. So now, imagine everything you just said, because that is a very accurate depiction of what has to take place. Okay, so now imagine yourself as an average special needs parent, and 
Do you know anybody in Colorado that knows and has experience with medical cannabis oil? Where do you go? Not to mention you're dealing in your own world with a special needs child. You're going to leave your wife behind for a week as you go and explore Denver and just hope that you stumble across someone. Mm -hmm. It, It is completely irrational and asinine that we have passed the law that we have, but we have, and it's better than what we had before. But there's so much more. There's still a, a, a ton of progress that needs to get made. So we're going to start talking about some of those uh, items here in a second. Maybe get back to Collins, um, some of the progress he's been making, and see what uh, if this has given Lori some uh, inspiration as well. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. Be back in a couple minutes on Greg's List. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's This Live, the home of serious journalism. We've got a very serious topic today. Thousands of Georgians are... Uh, are in need of help from our government. We're from the government and we're here to help. The scariest nine words in the English language. But some of our laws are antiquated and some of them need to be updated and there's a lot of lobbying efforts, uh, I'm sure from the pharmaceutical companies that um, don't want medical marijuana as their competitor. But I think we have um, exposed several avenues where it's not necessarily something that's competing with Big Pharma. It's something that Big Pharma, a solution that they cannot provide. Lori, you were uh, telling us your story. You have had every kind of treatment imaginable, chiropractors, witch doctors, all sorts of stuff. 
And the only thing that you were able to have one good day in 11 years, which is more than 3,800 days, was when you were able to get medical marijuana. And, um, you know, I just I, – I, t- tell me what the frustration is that you feel that you can't go because of your chronic condition that's more than documented by dozens of doctors, that you can't go to a pharmacy here and get something that could help your, your pain. You know, Greg um – Desperation is the word that comes to mind, and I consider being desperate an ugly thing. Um, To know that there's actually something out there that would actually make me feel better and not being able to get my hands on it, um, it it brings you to tears. Have you um, thought about moving to a friendly state? All the time. Every other day, probably, um, it's brought my mother to tears. It um, it's it's a challenge. I, I don't know how many people have asked me. My friends have asked me when I'm moving there. I have a doctor that has told me to move there. Um, I love that. That's the doctor's advice. Just uproot everything and go to Colorado. Absolutely, like it's that. Simple. I mean, love facetiously, my friends. I hope you get that. Yes. Um, a doctor thinks it's that easy to pick up and just move. Well, unfortunately, I mean, I don't think that's horrible advice. I mean, I, I just think it's bad that, that we're in a situation where that's his prescription. Right. And along with what you say about a doctor's prescription is that he's actually running out of things to prescribe me. And at this point, the prescriptions that he does write for me my insurance doesn't cover or I can't afford. The last thing he wrote me a prescription for was for $345, 30 days. Who can, whose budget yeah, is that in? $12 a day almost. Um, yep. So, so if you don't go one route, you're left with the other. I mean, you're, I'm stuck in a hole. And, and the pricing on the medical marijuana. Now, I've been to Amsterdam, and uh, let's just say they sell marijuana the old-fashioned way, recreational. But um, they have it in such different varieties. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Colorado has. I really haven't uh, studied it as much here um, just because I, I the frustration is that, you know, we can't get medical marijuana legalized carte blanche across the United States. Although, philosophically, I do agree that the 50 states, they should all be their individual Peachtree dish to see what can be done. And uh, the irony that some of these uh, far more liberal, like big government states, would be um, way ahead of us is uh, frustrating, Dale. I don't mm-hmm. know if that... Well, it's actually, it's interesting that you you bring up that point because the way the law currently is and the way that Georgia has an opportunity to kind of go against the federal government, it actually makes it better for the patient. Um, You mentioned uh, insurance and you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, prescribing and and big pharma and why didn't the pharmaceutical companies, maybe they are going to do this. Here's the problem is I talk with parents every single day that come to come to us looking for advice and they list out that their autistic child is on x y and z medication and it costs them hundreds of dollars a month and even if they don't they're not paying that hundred dollars a month the insurance company or the medical the pharmaceutical company is getting hundreds if not thousands of dollars for that medication and being subsidized by the insurance company now as a big pharma if you can sell that same parent three drugs 
that and charge their insurance company $2,100 a month, <laughs> why would that big pharma company want to invest in a drug that they're only going to charge that same parent $150 a month? I mean, for the, the profit margin, it doesn't make sense. But ethically, I mean, that's where you have to... To pressure these companies. But the and question is, why is what is Big Pharma's strategy? Why are they fighting against it? Why are they spreading propaganda yeah. saying well, that it's why? unsafe? Why? Because they want to be making the 2100 charging insurance right. companies, which frankly, the increased insurance costs gets passed on to everybody. Uh, right. Everybody faces higher premiums and higher deductibles because of these. And I think we've seen a rash of outlandish uh, pharmaceutical products. Now, I don't want to take away from the R&D. Uh, I think the average drug, once it comes to market, has had about $1.8 billion uh, invested in it. But what I'm talking about is if these drugs that they're prescribing, if they aren't even working, then that's what the pharmaceutical companies have to ask. And that's what the doctors have to be asking. If these drugs are not helping Lori Murphy then they shouldn't even be prescribed in the first place, so this shouldn't even be a threat to big pharma. Yeah, but, but it is. Why am big, I wrong? It, it is, and, and the reason, I'm just trying to help the no, average no, I, consumer I, I, I understand just, because their first response I'm just trying to I be hear, antagonistic, all, I, I, I get your point, the yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. is they, they say, well, you know, well, big pharma will start doing this, and, you know, they'll start making money off of it and blah, blah. The, the point is big pharma does not want this legalized, period. They do not want it competing. Something that I, as a parent, could actually make in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. See, the reason why all these drugs that they make that are man-made synthetic drugs, the reason why they're so expensive is because they hold a corner on the market. They, you, me, we cannot make that in our kitchen. Right. We can't even make an aspirin in our kitchen. I can make meth, but that's about it. Well, yes. Um, but you can. But it's not you, safe, though. If you knew a little bit right. of what you were doing, mm -hmm. you could make good, safe, quality oh, cannabis that, oil I knew people that grew it kitchen. all the time in Athens. <laughs> but processing, even processing, is not that okay. hard. Now, there's still, there is certainly a science to it. Mm -hmm. And so the point that I start out trying to make yeah. is that the... They wouldn't be competing with other companies. They're competing with the average right. the average person that wanted to do a little bit of labor would be able to manufacture their own and it would completely take big farm out of the market. Right. And our concern is is that once this passes federally, the, it'll pass in such a way that it takes it out of the more patient-driven corner of the market and hand it over to Big Pharma, and they'll just turn it into a synthetic, man-made, with only isolates of certain cannabinoids instead of utilizing the entire plant that God gave us. Mm -hmm. And that's what we don't want. So we would rather act now where we're actually acting against the wishes of the federal government, and it is much better, uh, much better benefit to the patient. Instead of being top down, right. this would be from. And, and Lori, you uh, before we got on the air, you told me that not every kind actually helps mitigate your pain. So I mean, I believe you referenced that that there was certain. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not an expert in it. I've done it. Um, well, I mean, if I had done it recreationally, I'd be much more of an expert. But, uh, yeah, who am I fool? And everybody's been to Amsterdam once or twice. But uh, for me, they basically had a menus of it, and you can kind of pick whatever you wanted. But nobody really was there doing it medicinally. They were doing it recreationally. Certain kinds obviously were stronger than others, and that's kind of what you found is, is a certain kind is able to help you more than another kind. Right, and I think a lot of people know that um – Colorado has really done it right, and I think they really have a good um, 
system running, a well-oiled machine. and <laughs> No pun intended. No. And um, <laughs> they uh, there's, there's different strains um, that work better for other people. And I think that anyone who has been out there looking and done their research, whether it be for migraines, whether it be for pain, whether it be for um, anything, there truly is... Um, true medicinal purposes for this. I mean, people have been studying this and doing their research, and there is relief found. And there's people that are, uh, I hate to say it, but self-medicating, and they're finding different uses for this. We were talking earlier about the ones that are protected, and George and Dale, you would uh, help agree with this, too. This is just what I was able to find online, medicalmarijuanagorgia.org. We've got to come up with an acronym, MMGA. I think that would work out well. But So we've got cancer, ALS, which is otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease, seizure disorders, which is very, that was kind of what got uh, HB1 through a couple years ago. I can't, was it Haley's Hope? that uh, Haley's Hope could, okay. actually started in 14. 14, yeah. And then, you know, it, that was one that just hadn't been on the radar at all. Next thing you know, we have pushed the needle and, and legalized some form of medical marijuana, which I think is what you were referencing. Everybody's like, cool, we've, we've done it. Now we don't need to worry, although that couldn't be further from the truth. Multiple sclerosis, which we've mentioned before, which has a lot of symptoms. I ha- I've had two ants that have died of MS, so I know that disease far too well. Crohn's disease, which is uh, immuno and, and, and intestinal, and um, that's obviously very problematic for anybody that has that, and that afflicts people of all ages. Mitochondrial disease, which just sounds horrible. Uh, Parkinson's disease, which obviously has had a lot of uh, attention. We, uh, you know, obviously Muhammad Ali had it, our, our, our Senator Johnny Isaacson. Uh, so th- a lot of these, is, and then sickle cell disease, which afflicts largely African-Americans. I'm sure it can happen in other races. But um, mar- medical marijuana has been shown to battle all of those. And obviously glaucoma isn't even on here, and that was the one that, had always been kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm smoking because I have glaucoma. It always been kind of the original medical marijuana uh, solve. Um, so anyway, we've ran a litany of diseases, and autism wasn't even on here. No, autism was not even mentioned in 14. Um, it was once um, it, it made the list, the original list, in 2015, and then was one of the first cut from the list once we passed the bill. Okay, why was it cut? Well, I mean, you could argue it for a variety of reasons, but um, they—they they were, in my opinion, they were scared to cover too many people. They didn't—they didn't want uh, too many people getting on the list, which is one of the reasons, one of the benefits to adding autism. The governor used our own list against us last year. Is he said, well, there's only 562 people on the state registry after it's been legal for a year. For autism? No, no, oh, for okay. all the patients okay. of Georgia to use cannabis oil. And so why are we going to start a whole new statewide program of growing marijuana for only 562 people? Uh, and so it's like they, he, the governor and the leadership, restricted the list to such a small co- coverage and then the next year they come back and say, well, we can't ne- make the next step because this list is so short. Well, we're thinking, well, add autism, and, and there's another 20,000 patients. I think uh, we've got patients. a chicken or egg there. And yeah. obviously, I mean, with these, 
not even mention, but uh, basically the, the list I just read off, it says in order to qualify for exemption from prosecution for possession of marijuana oil in Georgia, the patient must suffer, and they call this a qualifying illness. That's just it's, it's a strange term for that. But All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take our uh, final break here in a second, but uh, I wanted to, um, I guess, see what, uh, what action items uh, can we the people be doing. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there are two bills that have been uh, put in the hopper, so to speak, that look like they're positive. Micah Gravely, Micah's from uh, Douglas County and Douglasville area and up in that uh, segment of the uh, state. And then Alan Peak has another bill that he's going to be, he's really been one of the, the, the real leaders in this initiative. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about those mm-hmm. two bills. Are they competing or do we need both or what's going on? And uh, we can talk about that future outlook and, and hopefully get some more testimony from Lori and Murphy as well. So we'll see you in a couple minutes on Greg's List. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed, and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Right. Yeah. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. I uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in today. The replays of the show will also be available. We're joined here by Lori Murphy, a uh, stroke survivor and um, really survivor of, of chronic pain every hour of every waking day for her and somebody that's only been able to find relief through medical marijuana. And also my friend Dale Jackson, who's the 3rd District uh, GOP chair and also an activist uh, whose son has been afflicted um, by autism and finds relief through the use of cannabis oil. Uh, It's been a long battle. 2014 saw the first uh, effort to get medical marijuana passed. 2015, we did get a bill passed. Last year, I believe we went backwards or closed a loophole as uh, Dale would say. Uh, so what is on the docket for this year, Mr. Jackson? Well, this year it's a little bit tricky, and that's why we're trying our best to get the word out because it's going to look like 
nothing's happened. And But honestly, this year could be the year to where we make the largest step forward. Uh, that's a two-part process. The first part is the Bill Allen dropped to add autism. It's also attempting, to the best of my recollection with the last version um, that we've seen, is add pain control. Pain, would but that be something that maybe lowers right, but where it's okay. it, pain is very tricky. The legislature is very scared of the word pain, so we tried to add language into the bill that was very specific and certain steps that you had to go through, like eleven years you could, of hell, maybe. Well, at least a certain number of different medications that attempted to control the pain. I don't think Lori would have any trouble meeting those qualifications. <laughs> right. Um, so our, our number one step this year is to add autism and a few other conditions. The second and most important step is the second bill that Alan uh, dropped, which is a measure to get it on the ballot in 2018. Yeah, I saw that, a constitutional amendment. Right. And, and that's important and because I, I think that especially after last session, we all saw that Governor Deal is not afraid to use his veto pen. Mm-hmm. And the the last thing that we want to do, and I could go into 27 different reasons as to why, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the reality is, is that it will not be good for parents or patients to pass a comprehensive medical cannabis oil legislation uh, with Governor Deal as governor. It's because it, it would be so watered down and so over-regulated that it would, it would almost be a detriment to the patients here in Georgia. And, and I would point to Minnesota as an example of that. And uh, Lori actually mentioned earlier about the medication that you purchased, how it was so expensive. Well, not for a very long time will insurance ever cover anything cannabis-related. It would have to be FDA approved, and it would have to be legal on a so national we're, we're talking level. At least ten years, probably between seven to ten years before anything like that happens. And the problem that they're running into in Minnesota is, yes, they passed the law, and it was everybody was ecstatic about it until the actual medicine hit the market, and oil that may or may not be available here in Georgia that cost one hundred and fifty dollars a bottle. If you go to Minnesota, because of all the regulations that they have built into that law, that same bottle will cost between five and seven hundred dollars. Now, what have they done in Minnesota? Have they tried to privatize the profits, kind of, but have a regulated monopoly or something? Is that what they? I mean, who, who's manuf- I mean, if it's regulated so much, there's probably a big tax on the cannabis oil. But who's selling it? Is it the state selling it or a private no, company? It's actually dispensaries, okay. but the dispensaries privately owned dispensaries. But the problem is, is that you know, if you have to pay to have a licensed pharmacist on staff every hour that you're open, that is an astronomical cost, and. There again, if you only have X number of patients in your state, because they're able to get because it, because legislature has to decide who should get it instead uh-huh. of doctors, you know, then you can't stay in business. You can't keep providing medicine right. at a at a loss. Right. No, I mean that's that's one of the the problems so, we have with all these with the, with subsidies. So basically, their regulation in Minnesota says you have to have a pharmacist on all the time. You have to be like a CVS, but you have to have a licensed pharmacist on. They have to be the one to fill the prescription. I guess would be the logic behind it. In in theory, okay. yes, um, and they have to be able to show 
you know, they had to track the plant from the time it's grown to the time it's harvested oh, to the right. time it's processed. They have to be able to account for every now, single ounce. Does it have ounce to be grown of, in Minnesota? Oh, absolutely. Okay, okay. Every so, state, it so has every, to be grown okay, in that state. Okay, so there's no transporting it across no. state lines except by illegal right. uh, <laughs> transport. Uh, here's a question. Laurie, maybe you can chime in here, too. Um, what's the comparison between opioid prescription for pain and marijuana for pain? Um, do you know any facts on that? Like, basically, if you've had a toothache before, you've probably gotten Lortab or Hydrocodone or whatever they want, Oxycontin, whatever you want to call it, Percocet, all of that stuff for wisdom teeth, any of that stuff, that's been the go-to for the long time. Now, I do think doctors have been trying to get off of that. Um, they've been trying to find other uh, outlets to prescribe, but can either of y'all you know, talk about how opiates did not help you, but, you know, what the difference is. And, and, I mean, I would think that it's far more difficult to get addicted to marijuana than opioids. It's impossible, but that's a different topic. <laughs> right, it is. Um, well, long term, um, opioids are going to do major damage to your body. And as opposed to, I think, what medical marijuana will do, obviously. And um, not to mention that it's... Um, more natural and in, in my thought um, but I think it's interesting because different doctors take a different perspective and um, I've had some doctors that after a while they would stop writing prescriptions for the opioids mm-hmm. and then I have other doctors that are like what what do you want <laughs> just tell me and I'll write the mm-hmm. script because you've been through everything I'm and about to say those doctors sound cool to me and bottom line um, there's not really that anything long term that's going to work for right. you so because some of these you're not really supposed to I mean the hydrocodones and some of those it's basically a massive dose of Tylenol acetaminophen and then whatever the opioid is so it's something that is going to kill your liver over mm-hmm. over the years it's going to uh, ha- have other major internal organ I'm sure it can't be good for the kidneys uh, can't be good for anything really inside the body these were originally designed for short-term pain like somebody that was coming off of surgery the long-term pain management um, which you have seen some of these uh, prescribed to um, to AIDS patients um, which they're basically taking them for in, in perpetuity but I think marijuana has a far better uh, potential to be something that can be man- can manage somebody's pain for for decades absolutely um i think that that long term wise it's gonna it's much more effective and on your body and i think that i've had doctor after doctor tell me that because i had my stroke at 31 and this condition started at 31 you know what quality of life am i going to have mm-hmm. yeah the- that's when i when i saw you post that several years ago i uh i couldn't believe i mean you're going to be in pain for i mean i hope you have a, a really long life but we want to make sure your quality of life is as good as other people's and that's what really pisses me off when i see efforts to uh to to stop that and i, I think these are uh, unfounded efforts and with yeah. your with your case with Colin uh, the only thing or something that you've seen make tangible progress in him is cannabis oil well yeah and going back to Lori's point real quickly before we get to the action points of our legislature um, the num- one of the number one killers in women over the age of 40 is accidental overdose from FDA approved pharmaceutical drugs mm-hmm. and if you're on Percocets for 10 years 
it's slowly killing the inside of your body and you don't know it and you overdose mm-hmm. one night taking the exact same dose you took the because night before. Because it's just built up it's, so much in your yeah, cells. It just slowly kills your organs. Yep. Um, right. Well, real quick, let's get to so, the action. We've got about three minutes. So, so what, what do we need the people of Georgia yep. to do? Um, the number one thing that we need people to do is to contact most, you know, a lot of people aren't like you and I, Greg, which are just political junkies, also known as nerds. Um, and and may, they may not know their state senator. They yep. may not know their state rep. But most everybody knows their sheriff, their police chief, mm-hmm. or their local district attorney. And that's what we need everyone to do in the state is to call those people that they know. Now, more than likely, and I'm proof of it, law enforcement has been pretty gracious to us on the streets mm-hmm. what their many sheriffs and police chiefs support our families locally okay it's their organizations their statewide organizations that are at the capitol lobbying against us so what we need everybody to do is to call their local police chief sheriff da and say can you please go and tell your Police Chiefs Association, Sheriff's Association of Georgia, you know, do not lobby against our cannabis oil legislation. Mm-hmm. That okay. that can be the most effective thing That's that everybody in the state of Georgia can do. Okay. Well, I really appreciate uh, both of y'all coming in and sharing uh, y'all's testimonies today. Thank we'll you. We'll have the replays of the show on at 6 p.m. once I'll get it up on the uh, the podcast recorded. And I can go ahead and tell you guys, uh, these two folks in here are going to be joining me, and I'm sure countless others. We're going to do a day of action down at the Capitol. And, and and really, I, and there's a lot of lawmakers that are very supportive of, of this. Um, obviously, Ellen Pink, uh, Michael, Micah Gravely, and, and, and a bunch of others have um, kind of grabbed the torch for it. And I think what we need to do is just really, you know, instill some more courage in some of them mm-hmm. to, to, to look at every Georgian that they represent, not just some of the special interest groups. And in fact, you could actually argue that this is a special interest group, but this special interest group is comprised of so many different folks. We've got women and children and old people and young people and all all sorts of colors and creeds and races that are impacted by chronic pain or seizures or autism, that their only outlet for relief is medical marijuana. And I think we have more than enough facts at this stage in time. There's been plenty of research over the years on medical marijuana and marijuana in general to know that we do have some uh, sort of consensus, and we need to stop having our Georgians break the law just to take care of the children and their own pain management. I appreciate you guys listening today. Tune in. If you have any questions or comments, please tweet at me or Dale Jackson, and we will try to uh, address those concerns uh, next week. I'll be able to get in touch with Dale pretty easily if you guys had questions. Or for Lori, if you had any questions for her, she'll be sharing her uh, story with us down at the Capitol later this year. We'll see you uh, next week. Thanks for listening to Greg's List. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. This is Skip Coriel host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. 
Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862. 